everyone, and welcome to the Miriam Knight Show, where we explore the many faces of consciousness in action. As the publisher of New Consciousness Review, I get to see the latest books and films having the greatest impact on the global awakening, and I get to interview their authors here. Today's guest is Janai Grandmaboom Mestrovich. She's a 40-year veteran and a passionate pioneer in raising consciousness through holistic education and holistic aging. Her latest book is called The Grandma Boom Chronicles, More Alive at 65. It's a self-help memoir that was actually endorsed by Doris Day and Danny Lockwood. From the university classroom to international venues and daycare settings, Janai is a vibrant storyteller and speaker who promotes the joyful and playful inner child as a transformational tool for all ages to tap a happier, fuller life experience. I'm so delighted to welcome her. Welcome, Janai. Oh, thank you, Miriam. I do feel welcome. You, you have a way of doing that. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm really excited to have you for more reasons than one, which we will go into at the end of the show. But let's start with your book. Uh, this is a, a very personal memoir that goes back to your childhood and, and takes us all the way up to your delightful 65th birthday. So tell me what was your motivation for writing this book? I am so excited, Miriam, about human potential. And uh, since I was a child, I always wondered what was possible. And as I get older, I found there is no reason to let that go. So by encapsulating in a book the nutshells of many things in my childhood, teenagehood, adulthood, and now in my aging process, I could really see some themes that were very important that I want to share and hopefully get others excited, too. So the idea of, of having survival tools when we're children, um, we all develop patterns and uh, things at, at a preschool level. So maybe it's holding our breath. Maybe it's not talking to somebody when we're upset, or maybe it's screaming or whatever. I, I had many things that I used to cope, but one of them was having fun and doing dress-ups and play and really keeping that inner child alive. And I, I really feel very grateful for whatever the reasons were that I had that, and I've kept it throughout my life, through everything that has happened, because there have been a lot of ups and downs, as with everyone's life. So um, I'm, I'm wanting to really extend that enthusiasm and help people to see how important it is to have the inner child alive and well, and research supports that actually now for all ages, and to be able to keep the wonder of life and the idea of human potential, whatever age we are, there's always something more that we can explore and develop. Does that give you a good idea? <laughs> That's a good overview. You mentioned survival tools, which I think is a really important topic because we all develop our own ways of coping with the stresses of life, starting at the very earliest age. It was interesting that you came from a, what was essentially an immigrant culture, a Croatian family. Uh, of course, your mom was a, a southern belle. Um, but 
the um, the mores at that time that you and I grew up were really um, spare the rod and spoil the child, and taking a strap to a child was considered good parenting at the time, even though it really ravaged the the soul. Um, tell us a little bit about um, the the ways that you coped with those those incidents of violence. Uh, okay, thank you for asking that. I will. It's a very deep uh, experience to reflect back on uh, being whipped with a peach tree switch where the leaves were taken off and, and uh, on a bare bottom and across legs there's a, a welt that's created immediately that bleeds or uh, being spanked with a, actually beaten <laughs> with a, a very heavy leather belt. Um, you know, those things are very deep, and you can't just walk out of it. And what I would do is, first of all, beat myself up after that. And uh, that wasn't a survival tool. That was just I, I felt so bad about myself that I, was, that I was bad, that I was wrong, that I had done something to offend and hurt, uh, because I was always trying to help other people in, in my own little ways. And I, I would very often go to the basement where I had dress-ups, and I could be creative and become somebody else and imagine what that life was like. And it would take me into a, a place where I would be creative. And I, sometimes I would even find myself trying to solve problems in my life, but, but as a different character in a different dress-up kind of thing. So uh, that, was a, that was a prime tool for me. And, you know, I think it's not a tool, but self-pity and self-doubt were generated out of the way that I was disciplined. And so that's something that I've had to heal all my life, and I've, I've been in a process of doing that because those patterns are so deep-seated. But, again, they could be considered survival tools just to go to another place, um, you know, in, inside myself. Uh, does that help you to understand what my, my internal workings were? Uh, two thoughts come to mind. One is that... Um it's so common when wives or children are abused physically or verbally um, that they reflect that abuse on themselves. They think it's something that I've done wrong to merit that abuse. Yeah. And that is, you know, just so sad. On the other hand, it did give you this push to develop this vibrant inner world of imagination. So, you know, you never know but whether you might have chosen that situation to be birthed into in order to force yourself to cultivate that, which stood you in such great stead throughout your life. Well, I think you have an excellent point, and I think that I did do that. And, you know, one of the, the side effects of all this was also learning very in depth about fear and holding one's breath that if you hold your breath then maybe everything will stop and maybe there's more time to do something else to make up for it so there was a, a constant holding of breath with, uh, which I think really affected my my health I almost died several times um, fear was a, a really big um, a big part of the content of my childhood out of all of that, for some reason, I always had this this attitude and this geyser inside me that was like effervescence that, that
that I would find something good out of everything. And, you know, I can't say that I even remember one thing that stimulated me to think like that and to feel like that and to really go for it with my willpower, but I did. And, and again, I have to go back to the idea of fun and laughter and play. And I was always trying to help my parents to feel happier because they were not very happy together. And they didn't have coping skills. That, that didn't exist back there in our language system. You just did what you were taught that generations before you had always done. And that's what came down. And that, that actually was really important for me to realize I could break that karmic cycle. I wanted something different. I knew in my heart there could be something different. What was it? I didn't know as a child. I just had a feeling that I had to find that. And, of course, I started searching at a young age and continued searching and asking for guidance and, and just being open that there was more to life than just the way that I was brought up. Well, you were brought up as a very uh, devout little Catholic girl. Um, did you ever have this sense of connecting with unseen voices, uh, angels, guides as a little one? Well, as a Catholic, I prayed a lot, and I went to church every morning before school and on Sunday. So I was very plugged into the whole, uh, well, at that time it was religious, and I'm, I'm no longer a practicing Catholic. I'm very eclectic. Um, what I did was always I would pray and ask for answers and ask for guidance. But there was one time when I was 10 years old that I received the most profound guidance that I could ever imagine at that age. And it was, it was almost unbelievable, but it happened. I was riding in the back of the station wagon. Dad was driving. It was at night. And my younger sister was four years old. So I was 10. She was four. Now, I took care of her a lot, and as I did the other siblings. So she would listen to me when I asked something. Well, in those days, of course, there weren't any seatbelts or anything to protect children, and we rode a lot of times standing up, you know, in the seat. She was standing up in the co-pilot seat. Dad was driving, and I was in the back uh, of the station wagon with that back seat down. And all of a sudden, I hear a voice inside, and this is what's called interlocution. This was not, sometimes I, I've heard voices outside of me, but this was inside me. But at the same time, I was given a picture, and the voice said, get Karen to come back and lay down by you like this. Right now, there's going to be a car accident. And I tell you what, that was an experience I, I would not... Uh, doubt or avoid because it was so powerful. I felt it in my whole body. So I called to Karen and said, come on back here with me, Karen, and lay down. And I had her lay down exactly like the picture had shown me. Well, within, I would say, approximately 60 seconds, there was a bad car accident. Dad was driving in one direction. Two uh, what we called dragsters at the time were coming from the opposite direction, and the one on the outside swerved to the one on the inside that was nearest us, point blank, that car swerved in front of our car. There was absolutely no time to put on brakes, and Dad's ribs went into the steering wheel. And well, anyway, Karen was safe. She would have, base, she would have flown through the windshield, and she probably would have died. 
so I was I was awestruck. I was grateful. I was the only one that had to. I, they took me to the hospital because my mouth was bleeding a lot, but I didn't care. My sister was okay, and I was okay. You know, they just wanted to check my mouth out, and Dad was sore, but nobody was hurt uh, in in a really um, you know profound way, and and um, I was left with, oh my word, what happened? Was that an angel? Was that God? Was that Jesus? Who was that? Who helped me to save Karen's life? And whenever I told my parents about it, they just looked at me and looked away. Because they didn't know what to say. What do you say to a child who tells you they had a vision? They had no clue. So I I really thought, I knew there was something to it because Karen's life was saved. But I also thought, am I crazy? What's happening to me that, that I have this kind of thing happen? And have you had similar experiences since then? Oh, yes. <laughs> I've had a, a lot of experiences, many of which uh, there, there wasn't, um, I, I couldn't put everything in the Grandma Boom Chronicles, More Alive at 65, because my editor kept saying, you have enough for more, way more than one book. <laughs> You've got to hone this down. So, yes, I... Um, Sometimes I've heard voices outside me, um, and, and so would you also, say that was kind of a, a like a catalyst to an, an opening? When I was ten, yes, it was a catalyst to an opening, and not being mm-hmm. able to figure out exactly because I didn't see if it was angels or who it was. I just heard the voice very clearly, very clearly, and the picture was obvious. I mean, they even showed me. Could I say they? Because it almost felt like there was more than than one spirit or being or angel or whatever there, um, they showed me, it, I saw Karen. They actually showed me a picture of Karen laying down by me in the back, and I followed it to a T. And I, you know, I'm I'm very open. I want to be open. I don't want to be closed and rigid. And in my aging process, I find that it's really exciting that I do remain open and flexible, spontaneous, um, excited about what else is possible? So I can't be like I was when I was 20 with certain things. I don't want to be. I've been there, done that. What can <laughs> I do now? And so I'm doing pain control. I've had surgery without any meds, and I've had three implants now, teeth pulled and implants put in, you know, screwed into the jaw and all that stuff. And I go into a state of gratitude. I do deep breathing. I have no meds at all. And I get high. I get naturally high from the endorphins. So I'm pretty excited to see, besides pain control, what else can I open up and and really tap my own human potential? And how can I help others be excited about it? You even had a cesarean like that, didn't you? My... First cesarean section was I had an attempt to home delivery and that didn't turn out. I had to have a C-section, and so five years later, when I was having my second baby, I loved becoming a mom and a grandmom. I'm just in love with all of the things that go along with that. And um, I thought, you know, I really want to give birth. So for my second one, I thought if I can't do a vaginal delivery then I want to request that I have no drugs for a C-section. And my willpower is pretty strong, and I have skills. So I thought, will and skill, I can do this. Well, 
back then. My second child was born 33 years ago, and that was in Kansas. And so you can imagine what people thought when I mentioned this. Well, I happened to get the oldest practicing surgeon in Kansas, and he was um, his, his son was a dentist, so he actually listened to me when I told him I had done root canals without any meds and just used my own skills uh, for, for the uh, procedures. And so he finally, he said, well, he said, what, what I normally do is I put 55 cc's of my medical concoction into the abdomen for a C-section in the beginning, and then I add more as we go along. He said, what I'm going to do is give you the opportunity to try this, but for myself, I want to at least give you 10 cc's. I just have to do it for myself. So I was kind of disappointed that he did that, but, but he did. So he said, now we'll have an anesthesiologist, and we'll be checking with you if you need anything. Well, he gave me my 10 cc's, and let me tell you, it did not numb anything. They had to go through the old C-section scar, which I had done visualization with, and so it healed so well that they had a lot of trouble getting back in through it. And, and um, which, I mean, it, it is kind of funny that, that the visualization worked so well five years earlier. So um, they kept asking me, do you need anything, whatever, and I just go, no, I'm doing fine, I'm breathing. I never had anything else added to those 10 cc's that he gave me. So basically, I mean, it really felt like I had nothing because I felt everything. I was vibrating at the cellular level. I could feel every cell in my body vibrating. And there is nothing else like it. I mean, I've, I've never had another experience like it. Even when I've done surgery without meds, there was nothing like that C-section. And, you know, they strapped me down kind of like, you know, Jesus on the cross. And so I couldn't move. I, was, I had to be really still, of course. And when they, they pulled Darian out, my son, I, they allowed me to partially sit up and I could look in his eyes and say, I love you. And I tell you, I, that I was so high. I moved myself on the operating table. I slid myself over to the other little bed. I started making phone calls right away. I healed much faster not having the anesthesiology um, uh, because, well, in, in the first birth that I had, I was spitting up green stuff, and I, emotionally I was just like I would just cry at the whim of anything. And I just I felt much healthier not having all those drugs in me. And I requested a vitamin C and B drip to uh, help me instead of glucose. And uh, I was a happy camper. It, I was so high. And I always get high when I do this with surgery. For several days, usually, I remain in a really high state, and it's the endorphins from using my skills. Wow. Now, you um, were basically the caregiver for your siblings as you were growing up. And yes, the, I was. Uh, I mean, you know, we had parents, but they worked. And, and for yeah. some reason, even when I, was, when I was two years old, they started calling me little mother. I was always taking care of my little brother that was born about 17, 18 months uh, after I was born. And, um, in fact, he didn't even speak until he was two because I just knew what he wanted and I just took care of him. And it just went on from there. I was just always, I loved taking care of my siblings. I love children. I love people in general. But it's, it's just so 
uh, be with those young ages. It keeps you stimulated and alive in a, in a wondrous way, and I love taking care of them. It expanded my own heart. Mm-hmm. And is that why you eventually went into working with children as a profession? I think that that's one of the factors. Uh, I think that there are other factors, such as uh, my vision for the world. I had a vision when I was 13 and basically knew I was to do work with children, and I thought, oh, I've already got so much experience doing that <laughs> in different awesome. ways. <laughs> okay, well, we want to hear about this vision, but we have to take a quick break now. Uh, I have been speaking with Janai Mestrovich, a.k.a. Grandma Boom, and we'll be back right after these messages. Miriam Knight is the founder and publisher of New Consciousness Review, a digital magazine and website at ncreview.com. For 15 years, Miriam's Beat has been covering the thinkers, books, and films inspiring conscious evolution towards greater health, happiness, empowerment, compassion, and connection. Browse the thousands of enlightening books, interviews, and videos on ncreview.com. You can connect with Miriam on Facebook or through the website. That's ncreview.com. Has the universe been trying to get your attention? What will it take for you to start to listen? I'm Miriam Knight and I interviewed 37 individuals from all walks of life for our book, What Wags the World? Tales of Conscious Awakening. In it, they describe the cosmic two-by-fours that changed their lives, and their answers may make you rethink your own ideas about the nature of reality. Available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, or ask for it at your local bookstore. What Wags the World? Tales of Conscious Awakening. back on Miriam Knight speaking with Janai Mestrovich, Grandma Boom, about her memoir, The Grandma Boom Chronicles. Janai, before the break, we were talking about your going into um, holistic education and uh, tell us more about that. You, you really bring a very um, heartfelt dimension to dealing with children. Thank you for saying that, Miriam. I appreciate it. I, I really do. I love it. Well, I had a vision when I was 13, and it was when I was in a hospital, and I had this vision, and I, could, I saw the world, and I, I, saw, I saw myself, basically. It's very hard to describe the vision, but I knew I had responsibility with children. And so I continually tried to find ways to expand my my expertise that I already had with children because I always had a touch with them. And I think it was because I love them and they knew that. So that was my main open door. I love children. So, you know, as I grew up, I didn't feel like, I didn't know these words at the time. I didn't feel like, a, like I had um, treatment as a whole person. 
I was supposed to, I was a child, so I had to be quiet and not say anything, just be seen and not heard. And um, I wasn't supposed to talk about my feelings, and, and yet I could feel them, uh, but I didn't, I didn't know what to do with so many things. And all these inspirations that I had, these spiritual inspirations and visions, I, there was nobody to talk to. And I, I just had this longing that I knew that there had to be other children who had different kinds of experiences, and, and they didn't know what to do with them. So that was one of the factors that entered in. And as I got older and I, I discovered more about equality, for example, I didn't feel there was equality when I had to wear uniforms in Catholic grade school because you know we were supposed to treat each other equally and we were supposed to look equal because we had uniforms. We didn't. <laughs> we all were different sizes, and there were cliques and there were prejudices regardless. Uh, and I experienced, experienced a lot of discrimination because my mother was Southern Baptist, the only non-Catholic in the whole parish. So I didn't want that for children. I thought there's got to be a way to have a world where they're free to really be who they are, learn what they need to learn, you know, to get along in society, but also feed themselves. And that's what I wanted to do was find out more of who I was and help others along the way. And so I, I studied family and child development, got a bachelor's and a master's degree, and, and was able, fortunately, through Kansas State University, to do some practicums where I started experimenting with uh, guided imagery. Uh, Dr. Stuart Twemlow, uh, who's a famous psychoanalyst and received a very high reward, uh, award equal to the Nobel Peace Prize, fortunately, he was an instructor for me and, uh, and many other people. And so I started experimenting with children and teens and even adults with some of these techniques and relaxation techniques. I even did um, um, volunteer work with criminals at a halfway house where I was teaching them guided imagery and relaxation techniques. And I always saw that it was the child within the adult or within the teen that never got these skills. So that was very um, stimulating for me to have that insight because the child in me has always remained really alive and well. And, and I could start connecting in fun ways when I would teach. I discovered when everybody was having fun, they learned and absorbed and retained what was happening. So that really evolved into more than just my own coping skills of playing and having fun and doing dress-ups. I was adding more things uh, with all ages and seeing that that was a critical element that people were, when people are happy, they are more open. They're open to the wonder of life. They're open to learning new skills. They want to have fun. When they're having fun, they build confidence at the time they're learning. So, of course, they want more. They want to do it because they felt good. And they want to share it because most, most of the children or even other ages that I've taught, when they have such a good experience, it's just natural to want to share it. We want to, we want to when, when, when we share, we amplify the joy. We amplify what we have learned because we're completing the learning cycle when we do that. So it's been, it's been an incredible journey, and I'm still continuing to learn and doing so many things with what I call 3D learning. I, take, I create objects that uh, reflect values that normally are abstract in the mind. For example, uh, if I want to teach a child what a lie is, I find that it's more impactful 
to not just say, now don't lie, it's not, you know, it's not a good thing to do, you should never lie, it's a bad thing, blah, blah, blah. So what I do is I create what a lie looks like, and so mine is like, uh, it's a wadded up aluminum foil, and it's got toothpicks stuck in it like a little Sputnik, and you hold it, it's very prickly, and so I say, this is what a lie looks like, and feels like. Why don't you hold it? When you, when you lie, where do you feel it inside? Well, nobody enjoys holding the lie in their hands, and they can see it, so they're using more senses to learn, which means that's more holistic anyway, um, you know, to, to use more of our senses when we're learning. Mm-hmm. So I tell you, almost every time I do this, they automatically go to sharing very personally and directly where they feel it when they lie inside, where they feel it in their bodies. So I teach how the mind, body, and emotions work together in all these concepts, in all the emotions. It's, it's a basic grounding way to teach emotional intelligence. In 3D learning, having the experience is so holistic that you can't help but get it immediately. And I find that children and even older ages have these, these awake moments where something clicks in, they get it, and they're their learning is accelerated, and they understand, oh, this is so important, what they are doing to themselves. We think we're getting away with something if we lie. Well, we're hurting ourselves because it's living inside, and that is not an up energy. That is a negative energy. It is actually a ball of tension. So learning that we hurt ourselves or learning that we can make choices that help ourselves to have a, a, a chemistry inside that is positive is invaluable. And you can't tell this just with a rule for children in, so they get it in the left side of their brain. This is something that when they grasp for themselves, they know for themselves. And what does that take us back to? All these spiritual philosophies that say, know thyself. I can only imagine how powerful this approach would be for um, children on the autistic spectrum. Oh, yes. You know, I've I've worked with actually just about everything on the spectrum. Um, I've been given many difficult cases of things to work with in, as, you know, individuals uh, one-on-one or in groups, in classrooms, workshops, whatever, family gatherings, whatever. And, um, w- w- you know, what you find with, um, in fact, I had an experience with an autistic girl when I was being in a parade uh, for the 4th of July, and um, it was a little girl who wasn't, she wouldn't speak to anybody, and she wouldn't really go up to them, and she kept coming over to me. I had wings on, and I was flapping my wings because I was the Freedom Fairy for the 4th of July parade in Ashland, Oregon, and her mother just dropped her jaw, and she, she watched her daughter, who was, I, I believe she was eight. She kept coming over to me, and she, kept, she started interacting with my wings, and she showed me how she wanted my wings to go. We played with my wings, and she would hug me, and she would direct me what to do, and her mother said, she has never, ever done this. But she said, you are doing where she lives. You, could, you connected with her where her consciousness is. And that's just a tiny sample of I've got so many stories. Oh. <laughs> I'd like to tell you a story about a little boy who saved his own life from learning about um, how to 
to breathe, think, and make a good choice when we when we um, okay. Do well, we need to take a break. Save that for after the break because we have to take another break now. Um, we're speaking with Janai Mestrovich, Grandma Boom, author of the Grandma Boom Chronicles. Be right back after the break. been trying to get your attention? What will it take for you to start to listen? I'm Miriam Knight and I interviewed 37 individuals from all walks of life for our book, What Wags the World? Tales of Conscious Awakening. In it they describe the cosmic two-by-fours that changed their lives and their answers may make you rethink your own ideas about the nature of reality. Available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, or ask for it at your local bookstore. What wags the world? Tales of conscious awakening. Miriam Knight is the founder and publisher of New Consciousness Review, a digital magazine and website at ncreview.com. For 15 years, Miriam's Beat has been covering the thinkers, books, and films inspiring conscious evolution towards greater health, happiness, empowerment, compassion, and connection. Browse the thousands of enlightening books, interviews, and videos on ncreview.com. You can connect with Miriam on Facebook or through the website. That's ncreview.com. If you're like the 8 out of 10 women that say finding genes that fit is a problem, well, your problem is solved. Lee Genes has done extensive research, and they have genes that fit. There's even an online Lee Fit Finder, so you can find the right fit for you. Imagine genes that instantly slim you, with a custom fit and no gap waistband. And guys, kids, Lee has genes for you, too. Click through to Lee's Genes on the HealthyLife.net advertiser page and get what fits. You want HealthyLife.net radio programming everywhere? TuneIn Radio is your mobile solution. The app is available for iPhone, BlackBerry, and Android phones. Search your app store today. Search for TuneIn and take HealthyLife.net radio programming everywhere you go. Miriam Knight speaking with Chennai Mestrovich, Grandma Boom. How did you get that name anyway? Oh, when my, my first grandchild was born six years ago, I always wanted to introduce him to my, like I have chimes and I have drums and I have a gong and all these things that, that make wonderful sounds. And so as he was able to start saying words, we, I would always say, let's go make boom. And so we would, I would take his little hand and he would touch the gong and it would sound louder. We would drum together. 
And so he ca- started calling me Boom. Well, then when he could get the gr, you know, the gr for for Grandma, he started calling me Grandma Boom. And now I have a granddaughter who's three, and and she does a little shortcut and just calls me Bowie. <laughs> so I answer to anything, but I love the Grandma Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Now, just before the break, you were starting to tell us the story of uh, the little boy who who absorbed a lesson that from you that actually saved his life. Yes, it's such a powerful story, and it lives in my heart, and it's part of the fuel for my fervor and passion for this work. Um, I was doing a program teaching 113 children once a week, uh, grades K through 3 in Drain, Oregon, and, uh, you know, I uh, dealt with anger and stress and self-calming and jealousy, all kinds of things. And it was always experiential. And I, each week I would go back and I would ask them to share a success story. Well, this one little boy, I'm going to call him Troy, he never shared a success story. And he always looked kind of peaked. And yeah, I, I knew that he didn't have a real healthy phone, uh, home life. And so one day, the third year that I had him, he raises his hand and he says, I have a success story, Janai. Well, I about dropped my job, and I was like, okay, hon, what is it? He said, Saturday night, my parents, we, we were on, a, on the bridge, and see, there's covered bridges around Drain that go um, over running water in the winter. It's very cold. And he said, we were on a bridge, and my parents were fighting, and they forgot I was there, and they knocked me off the bridge. Well, you know, I'm gasping at that point. I said, what did you do, Troy? And she said, I was hanging on the limb over the water, and I remembered that song you taught us last week. This is the song. We marched all around the classroom with, with antics, with our, you know, dramatic little things with our hands and the way we walked so they would remember, so their bodies would remember the, the chant. It was, breathe, think, and make a good choice. Breathe, think and make a good choice over and over again. His body remembered in that situation. He took his deep breath, he said, and he thought about making a good choice. Now think about this, Miriam. You, anybody listening as an adult, could you do that? Could, would you remember in a life-threatening situation to do this? And then he said, after he took a breath and he thought about a good choice to make, he knew how to get back to shore. That child saved his own life. You should have seen his eyes that day. They were not peaked. They were beaming, and he sat up differently, and I knew his life changed at that point. He empowered himself, even if he didn't have the reinforcement of the skills at home. He was a changed human being, and I am so grateful that I I witnessed his story. Wow, wow. Yeah, wow. (laughs) It's just so powerful. And just think that our educational system could be imparting that kind of life skill and life empowerment to children and probably is not. No, I have worked for 40 years trying different ways to get this incorporated, to get it mainstream, so to speak, and it still isn't. And I, you know, I hope I, I live to see the day that it is because we're talking about a different consciousness on the planet, Miriam. Because this says, now pardon this expression, but I, on this planet at this time, I think our main waste is human waste. And I don't mean the bathroom kind. 
What mm -hmm. I mean is that we are not tapping our own inner resources. When, when we do that, like with this child, he tapped his own inner resources, he created a whole different life experience for himself, not just then, but for the rest of his life. If we Absolutely. would tap our inner resources, and that's part of holistic aging. Hey, maybe you can't do the boogie the same that you did when you're 80 as you did when you were 20. Maybe you can. Great if you can. If you can't, what else can you do? Tap that mind, body, emotions, the spirit of who you are. And remember that there's so much life there to the very end in different ways. What? How can we explore that? How can we be more open to the spirit of who we are? We start with our own mind, body, and emotions. Get rid of the junk. Don't carry around the stuff that you don't need. There's many techniques now. We are so fortunate on the planet at this time with all the things that are available to us. I'm a Google goddess. I know all kinds of things that are out there. So, you know, start there and then really create Something that's exciting for yourself. If you're in a wheelchair and you can't walk anymore, what can you do with music? Can you start dancing with your hands? Can you create hand dancing? I mean, I don't know. Everybody has to decide for themselves. I can't decide for anybody else. But for myself, I know that, uh, that I'm going to have more, more things that I develop in my human potential as I get older. I've already decided that, and I won't be kept from it. Nothing can keep me from it, no matter what. So... Um, do you think it's this, that you have? Go ahead. Do, do you think it's this ability that you have to to keep your inner child just so vibrant that is feeding you as you do this kind of vibrant aging? Do do I think it's what? I didn't quite catch a word you said. Is is that the source of your ability to keep your um, joie de vivre, your your joy in life? as you age and, and keeps you looking for ways to um, express yourself uh, without limits? I think that it is one of my factors. It's a really big factor, and it's a really fun factor. And, you know, I just I really like those fun factors in life whenever we can, can grab them and, and use them. I think also that I, I have truly learned the value of, Seeing something positive in every situation, no matter how hard it is, and also one of my factors is I am, I've become an expert at being grateful, being positive and being grateful. It doesn't mean that I don't look at reality because I've had a lot of, of bumps along the road and I know what that pain is, but I don't want to stay and live in the pain, and so how can I use it as a resource? Pain is a portal to me, emotional mental, physical, spiritual pain is a portal to me, and I always look at it like that. Even when I'm in it, I'll say, I know that something good is going to come from this, and I'm going to be able to help others as a result of going through this. So my inner child has a big play in all of this, and so do these other factors, and I put all those things together, and it works. It doesn't mean I don't have ups and downs, and I'm not putting myself on a pedestal because I'm not there. I'm on the ground like everybody else, and I'm trying to stay grounded while I have all these spiritual insights and, and everything. I think that's very important. But without the inner child, I do not believe I would have the happiness that I have in my heart with, without my inner child and the ability to be fun and, and touch in that way with, with others. It's a high place to touch in, very high, the inner child is. It's, it's open and innocent.
Mm-hmm. Well, we we have um, another break coming up, and I just think that this is such a lovely a lovely memoir that you've written tonight, and I think it'll be really inspiring to uh, to so many of us uh, just following on your your trajectory through life and the positivity that you bring to it. So we've been speaking with Janai Mestrovich about the Grandma Boom Chronicles, and we'll be right back after the break. Miriam Knight is the founder and publisher of New Consciousness Review, a digital magazine and website at ncreview.com. For 15 years, Miriam's Beat has been covering the thinkers, books, and films inspiring conscious evolution towards greater health, happiness, empowerment, compassion, and connection. Browse the thousands of enlightening books, interviews, and videos on ncreview.com. You can connect with Miriam on Facebook or through the website. That's ncreview.com. Has the universe been trying to get your attention? What will it take for you to start to listen? I'm Miriam Knight, and I've interviewed 37 individuals from all walks of life for our book, What Wags the World, Tales of Conscious Awakening. In it, they describe the cosmic two-by-fours that changed their lives, and their answers may make you rethink your own ideas about the nature of reality. Available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, or ask for it at your local bookstore. What Wags the World? Tales of Conscious Awakening. Okay, so you have a couple of days off and you're planning to get away from stress. You may be planning to go across the world or even taking a staycation around town. Well, Hotels.com can get you a room in over 158,000 hotels, 60 countries for 50% off. That's reducing stress already. Plus, collect 10 nights and you'll get one night free. And there's no cancellation charges, no change fees. For the best deals, even last-minute deals, visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Hotels.com. All positive talk with a mature edge. HealthyLife.net. back with Janai Mestrovich, and as I hinted at the beginning of the show, I am pleased to announce that Janai has come on board to New Consciousness Review magazine as our reviewer for children's literature, and uh, she's got her own uh, children's books, uh, so she's quite an expert in the subject. Anyway, Janai, uh, first of all, thank you for joining us. I'm, I'm so pleased to have you on board. And tell us um, what books you have to recommend to us today. 
Okay, well, first of all, thank you for having me on board. I love your ship. <laughs> and the first book is entitled Mahalia Jackson, and it's by uh, Nina or Nina Nolan, illustrated by John Holyfield. And I was so touched by this book. The illustrations really bring out the the verbiage that is shared in Mahalia's uh, story of her life. And one of the things I really like about this is that we tend to put movie stars and presidents and, you know, our, our role models, we tend to put them uh, up somewhere where they haven't had hardships. This book shows Mahalia's hardships that she went through. And, uh, you know, I find that that's really touching because every child, I don't care how wealthy or how poor, you know, what kind of toothpaste they use, everybody has hardships. Human beings do. We often think that somebody on the other side of the fence doesn't have it as bad, but we all have it in different ways. So the, the, there are complex concepts that are expressed in very simple ways for children to grasp in this book, and they can be stimulated at their own level. So perseverance knowing one's purpose, being trustworthy and determined are just some of the few higher consciousness values that are painted by the words and through and the paintings throughout this this story that I consider really inspiring. And Mahalia can be remembered really easily by children as a role model for homegrown self confidence. She really had to build that herself. And I love having that as an example for children, that it doesn't just get dropped into your lap. And if, you're, if you have a lot of wealth in your family and a lot of things are dropped in your lap, it doesn't mean you're going to be confident. She really takes you through a journey that shows you that. Um, she, she faced so many challenges with courage instead of being victimized by them. She wasn't a poor me. She didn't, she didn't invest in self-pity. She had sad and times. And it, it was called Mahalia Jackson by Nina Nolan, right? Yes, yes. And what's the next book? The next book is Pine and the Winter Sparrow, and it's retold by Alexis York Lombard. And uh, Pine and the Winter Sparrow gives credence to nature's very enlivening presence and, and, and the way we are all interconnected with all species and forms of life. And I really like children being exposed to that and just thinking in different ways. And this is a, um, actually it's native storytelling uh, from the, uh, the Cherokee Nation, and it's acknowledged um, by being a, a core inspiration for the tale that was retold here. And it demonstrates the, the wonderful healing power of kindness and friendship and compassion while also showing that when we reject others, it discourages them. What do we do to others, you know, in bullying or that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, so gratitude really seals the story with a, a feeling of relief for the wounded little bird who is finally befriended by the pine after rejection from the other trees. And this brings about that it's like a good karma type of thing, that, that the pine was given a gift from nature to be able to be evergreen because of the kindness extended to the little sparrow. So it's really a, a story about the creator and karma in, in, in essence and how we, we should not um, you know, lose sight of 
what is good in our lives and keep looking for that and not lose not lose trust just keep going because something will be there you know, something will help us it's and uh, the, it's really the title again i beg your pardon and the title again pine and the winter sparrow pine pine p i n e like the you know the right. pine tree. and the author's name it's retold by alexis york Lombard. Great. Well, our time is kind of slipping away from us. So before we go, um, please, Janai, tell us, do you, uh, do you have a website? Oh, yes, it's a fun website. It's www.grandmaboom.com. So it's G-R-A-N-D-M-A-B-O-O-M. And I would encourage people... Not only do I have a blog with, and it's got categories, but I've got published articles, and there is on story time up at the heading, there are six YouTube stories for young children. You can watch for free. I'm in costume in each different story that teaches a lesson. And then there's a free for viewing television pilot called Rainbow Magic where I teach skills and I'm, I'm, you know, on camera with children. And this was done about 10 or 12 years ago. Um, and it, it really, it has story and it's got all these skills that you can pick up on. You can watch with your children right on the home page. Just scroll down and you'll see. And you'll see all the books that I've done that are wonderful resources for children. And also some things like the Super Kid Power Guidebook is an amazing book that I have developed for 40 years with 52 concepts, how the mind, body, emotions work together in each one, activities for you to do with the children, and others' body outlines to mark where they feel it inside their bodies. I mean, it's just, it is uh, it's a priceless tool to have in the home or in a classroom. Well, it's kind of the distillation of all the tricks of the trade that you've been developing in your yes. own approach. Yes, it's just, it's right there. It's so easy to use, and it builds relationships and depth. It, as you do this with the children, you're going to learn things, and then you also build something that's deeper with the relationship with the child, and you have these things in common. And then the beauty of it is that children start learning these skills they can be, they feel needed. That's something that's very important in our culture today because a lot of kids don't have to do chores anymore like they did in the agrarian culture and because mm. they will start reminding the family yeah. system or the classroom system about using these things. Oh, dear. Yes, our time is just slipping away from us. In fact, it's gone. Anyway, Janai, thank you so much for all you've done and for joining us. This is Janai Mestrovich, Grandma Boom, um, and I hope all of you will be your own Grandma Boom with your own grandkids. Anyway, please join me next week when my guest will be visionary artist, author, and metaphysician Timothy Wiley talking about his extraordinary new book, The Heliang's Proposition, Return of the Rainbow Serpent. In the meantime, I invite you to visit New Consciousness Review on ncreview.com and subscribe to our exciting multimedia magazine that brings you a great selection of reviews, columns, articles, and interviews. I would love to hear you so you can connect with me to our website or on Facebook at facebook.com slash ncreview. Well, that's our show for today. Janai, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you, dear listener, for joining us. Until next week, I'm Miriam Knight. Be happy, be well, and let your light shine.